G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're back today with Family Voice Australia and some insights into those biblical foundations of how we do family. Well, today giving some attention to what we can glean from the Bible about caring for ageing parents or grandparents. Andrew McColl is Family Voice Australia State Director for Queensland. Andrew's back with us. Andrew, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's nice to talk to you and to our listeners today. Andrew, we'll often talk about caring for our parents or for the elderly, but you've got us into a a foundation here from the Bible that we might be able to glean some real wisdom from. Uh, Take us into care for the elderly in the Scriptures. Sure. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 21, and I'm going to read today from verses 15 to 17. If a man has two wives, the one loved and the other unloved, and both the loved and the unloved have borne him sons, if the firstborn son belongs to the unloved, then it shall be in the day he wills what he has to his sons. He cannot make the son of the loved the firstborn before the son of the unloved, who is the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the firstborn, the son of the unloved, by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the beginning of his strength. To him belongs the right of the firstborn. Now, just before we move on here, uh, I guess uh, I think you're saying uh, ignore the fact that there's two wives in this case uh, because polygamy was a part of what was going on in those Old Testament times as well. Uh, Although some might argue that you know, when you've had multiple marriage uh, spouses, uh, it's almost like serial polygamy that you can do in Australia. But we're putting that aside and we're focusing on the boys or the offspring of this particular family. How do you describe what's important to know from this passage? Well, we see here that the Lord points out that when you have multiple children who spring from a couple, then it's important to determine how to distribute the inheritance. Now, you can do it on a purely emotional basis, like, oh, this is my favourite son, or you can look at some broader issues. And what we know is that, well, firstly, that it's important for sons to care for their parents or for children to care for their parents. And we have to be wise when we manage assets when we're talking about some generational change. The reason I say that is that one of the things we know is that is that if you go back right back to Genesis, we find that one of the subplots of Genesis is the appropriate distribution of the inheritance. We see there that right through Genesis we have quite a quite a list of families that is, father and mother having sons, 
And the amazing thing about Genesis is that there's a huge amount of sibling rivalry right through Genesis. And it, it tends to sort of feed into this discussion a bit because it helps us understand that just because the Old Testament child was literally the firstborn, it didn't automatically mean that he would be the one who would get the double portion of the inheritance. And in fact, all of the families right through Genesis from, from um, Adam and Eve onwards, the children of those the first couple, right right to the end of Genesis, there's a problem with the first son who who forfeits the inheritance. Every child or every family in Genesis, you see the oldest child forfeiting his inheritance because he's disobedient to God. And, and the father doesn't always see this in time when we see this matter played out. It's quite an amazing subplot of Genesis, but what's important is that is that the 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 son who is worthy, who is moral, who is obedient, he is the one who is selected in, in pretty much every case to get a double portion of the inheritance. And we see this right at the end of it, it's right through Genesis, but we see this right at the end of Genesis when when Joseph's dad uh, Jacob is dying, and and Jacob nominates Joseph, who happened to be the, the most moral of all the sons, to get a double portion. Amazing. Whereas his older brother, Reuben, who was the firstborn, he's actually disinherited, and the Bible makes it very clear why, chapter 49, verses 34, <laughs> 3 and 4. So what we see here is that the older, the couple who are elderly and frail need to make some decisions about the appropriateness in terms of their children as who is to get what and why that should be. This is, in fact, uh, something of a profound understanding and seeing how these Old Testament families and how the culture began to build on this. Because if we're bringing this into a modern day, how do you describe that? Say you've got a uh, an ageing parent uh, and they are actually being looked after by one member of the family uh, and they've got X number of dollars. Give us a scenario how that might work in the modern world. Well, if, if we think of, of dad and mum at $600,000 between them and they want to, they want to pass this on to their, to their children why one way or the other. Let's just say they have three godly children. What they could do, and there's a and there's a, a a biblical pattern, even from the reading that we talked about from Genesis from from Deuteronomy 21, if there are three godly children, they the dad and mum can divide the money in four quarters, so that the chosen son who has agreed to take this responsibility gets gets this, so he gets a double portion. He he gets two portions. His siblings get one each. So that way, what happens? He gets extra money to organise an extra room or a granny flat for dad and mum and to provide for and assist dad and mum in their frail years, not just for love, but with money for the task as well. Well, this is significant, isn't it? Because, as you say, uh, three children, one steps forward and says, I'll look after mum and dad. 
but in the end of the day, when they're expecting an inheritance, some might say, well, just divide the inheritance be- be between the three. But you're saying uh, this biblical principle says divide the inheritance into four, but double the portion to the one who looks after mum and dad. Uh, that's sort of pretty easy maths, isn't it? Well, it is fairly easy math, and that requires, it's good to put all this on the table so that, as I want to keep emphasising, we don't just say, oh, Dad Mum are going to live with Fred, and Fred's going to care for them, see you later, have a nice day. We say, no, that's not fair on Fred. Make sure that Fred gets ably compensated because Dad and Mum might live for, hey, quite some years with Fred and his, and his family, and Dad and Mum are going to get three meals a day, seven days a week. Someone's going to care for them. What if they need help to get to the doctor? What if they need help to, to go to the bathroom and they're old and frail? What about this? What about that? So we don't want to trade on the goodwill of caring children. We want to say thank you for that care and love, but also compensate them with a sizable proportion of the inheritance so they're not scratching around trying to find means to care for dad and mum in their old age. They're actually ably compensated for the task. You know, some of our listeners will have been hearing conversations over the past few weeks about education and health and welfare. And to be turning our attention to our ageing parents at a point like this, what you're bringing out here, Andrew, is something you've called relationship obligations. So if you're looking for biblical principle here, is that what you'd call it? An obligation that you might have in your relationships, but it's compensated in the way that you might leave your inheritance. Well, yes. And the point is, you know, we can't accept obligations for everybody around the place. I mean, there are limits in terms of how much care and love we can show to others because we just don't have more than 24 hours in the day and our bank balance is, is, is not unlimited. But we, we, are, we do have the opportunity to care for, for our family as best we can and to set up a, a situation with wills and inheritances and so on so that it's all on the table, it's all known to all the siblings it's not a secret that waits until dad and mum pass from this life and they all suddenly find out what's in the will. That's not necessarily a good idea. We, we don't, it's not a good idea to leave all the nasty surprises until dad and mum have gone. It's better off to resolve those things well before so everybody knows what's on the table. And, and, and that way, everybody can say, gee, I, I don't want that or I do want that or we can have some, some negotiation about that. There will be not, not every... T- child would want to would want to have extra money for extra care they might think that doesn't really suit our family situation so it's good to have some capacity on the part of the children to know which way dad and mum are going to go on this thing so that they can all be aware of the situation i mean it may be that different ones of the siblings say hey look why don't we take turn about what about if dad and mum stay with you three months at a time, and after three months, we had him over at our place, he'd never rest. All of these, these kind of scenarios that could work out equitably so that there's, there's a good attitude, a good heart amongst the siblings for the care of dad and mum, but it's not just to do with heart, <clears throat> it's to do with 
the provision of assets as well. And I guess for a lot of families, they wouldn't like the care for parents to turn purely into a transaction because there is certainly love within a family. But what you're demonstrating here is that parental responsibility actually leads to blessing because we care for our own parents and perhaps our children will come up behind us and they'll want to care for us in the same way. Well, this is the thing, and, and as I was saying last week, Neil, when, when we have children, our children, when they're very young, are extremely dependent upon the care and love of, of their parents. When they when bring them home from the hospital, <laughs> children need all of that care right through those early years. Dad and mum are, are, are spending their time and money and energies looking after training and caring for their children. But in 60 or 70 years' time, hey, the whole process goes into reverse where rather than, than dad and mum caring for their kids, it's kids now who are taking the time to pour time and assets and money into the care and love of dad and mum. So this is all part of the, the Christian family caring for itself. It means that when, when dad and mum come home, say, then they're going to be more mouths to feed, meaning there'll be more money required for the shopping every week, but it also means that there's not a separate household to have to be maintained. I mean, the Bible talks about, Paul talks about when he encourages widows, he says that you know women are to be workers at home, and he says to widows to get married, bear children, and keep house. So we're talking here about the family caring for its own elderly. So, Andrew, when we're looking at the Bible and we're gleaning wisdom, we really can see there's a huge dimension in the Bible about family. Well, it is the book of the family. We see family right from the get-go in Genesis 4, 3 and 4, when, when Adam and Eve have their children. And as I've been saying for weeks now, it teaches us that education, health and welfare, which are large tasks, they're firstly family responsibilities. The Bible tells us in Psalm 68 that father to the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. So if, if we believers will do things in accordance with Scripture, we'll put the our obedience to the Lord first, this will lead to the blessing of God in our family. And I'd like to encourage families today, is that what you want for your family? You know, it's a hard thing you're asking because we're so used to, as we've been talking about over previous weeks, uh, the welfare state looking after us, uh, throwing money at us, uh, making us feel a whole lot better because uh, there's money there. But as you have been very cleverly able to do is to say to Christians, uh, there is a foundation in the scripture about caring for our family, whether it is health or education, in this case, uh, caring for our elderly parents. Not easy, 
But there is a foundation there that has got timeless wisdom attached. Let me point people to how do you connect with Andrew McColl, who is the Queensland State Director for Family Voice Australia, but the Family Voice website, and you'll find resources on the Family Voice website at familyvoice.org.au, familyvoice.org.au. Andrew McColl, thanks so much for sharing these insights with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's been great talking to you again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.